on, true crime fans. I'm your host, T. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Today's case was recommended by so many of you, but not enough to not name you, so I'm going to name you now. Thank you so much to Beth, Stacy, Sarah, Allie, Casey, Kylie, Tim, Cheryl, Amber, Amy, Shania, and Austin for recommending this case. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this case has been on our radar for so long, and so many of you guys have recommended this case. We're finally getting to it. Yeah, very mysterious story ahead of us today. I just want everybody to know I'm getting over a cold, so that is what's going on with my voice right now. Yeah, so if she sounds a little bit sick, (laughs) uh, that's why. That's why, because I am. But um, thank you guys for tuning in, and let's dive into this one. All right, guys, this is episode 307 of Going West, so let's get into it. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. In July of 2019, a 25-year-old man and new father left his wife's grandparents' Nebraska home on foot after an argument, and he never returned. He was spotted on multiple surveillance cameras in the area and sent two very bizarre text messages. But then, he seemed to vanish without a trace. This is the story of Chance Engelbert.
Chance Leslie Engelbert was born on December 3rd, 1993 in the Edgemont area of South Dakota, which is a small town in the southwest quadrant of the state near the border of Wyoming. He was joined by his parents, Don and Everett, and was the oldest sibling to two little brothers, Clay and Miles. In his teen years, Chance was a bit of a rodeo prodigy, specializing in riding horses bareback at competitions, and he actually won titles all over the state and was even awarded a scholarship to college for his radio, radio skills, his rodeo skills. Wow, I literally had no idea that you could go to college for being good at Rodeo. I guess you can in these states. Um, but in addition to his endeavors on horseback, Chance was an excellent athlete. He had been a swimmer and growing up on a ranch, he was a skilled farmer and an outdoorsman. Like his favorite activities were hunting and fishing with his family. He also had a passion for cars, though, and in particular, loved to work on demolition derby cars and compete in demolition derbies with his friends. That's actually pretty cool. Uh, a lot of my family used to do demolition derbies as well. Basically, you just crash cars into each other, and the last one standing is the winner. Very interesting. Well, Chance loved it, but mostly he was a self-proclaimed cowboy, and he wore this title very proudly. His mom, Dawn, called her son an awesome kid and said, quote, he would help anybody out. He partied, but he loved more. In college, Chance studied diesel mechanics or the study of fixing up diesel engines and also trained in welding. In October of 2017, when Chance was 23 years old, he started talking online to an 18-year-old girl named Bailey and the two really fell for each other. So Chance and his best friend Matt Miller made the trip to Bailey's hometown of Scottsbluff, Nebraska. And exactly a year later, in October of 2018, the two were married. And by April of 2019, 20-year-old Bailey and 25-year-old Chance had welcomed a baby boy named Banks. According to his wife, Bailey, Chance adored being a dad, and he was very proud of their growing family, just working his hardest in the early days of their relationship to be able to afford to buy them a house. And he did, and the family settled in Moorcroft, Wyoming, which is a town of less than a thousand people around an hour and a half away from where Chance grew up. But at this point in time, Chance was met with a huge setback in the summer of 2019. Chance and his best friend Matt had been working at a coal mine in Gillette, which is about 30 minutes west of Moorcroft, and Chance had been taking home a decent salary doing this. But then, while juggling a new baby in a new house, Chance, along with 600 other employees of the mine, including Matt, all lost their jobs. At the time, Bailey was staying home with Banks, and she was planning on entering nursing school soon, which would eventually bring them home a competitive salary, although they would also incur a large expense for her schooling. So thankfully, Chance was able to find a replacement job fairly quickly, and again, was fortunate enough to work alongside his best friend, Matt. Chance's next job was for Blakeman Propane, which is an energy company with locations all over Wyoming. However, this position came with a pay cut, which is what sparked the very fight that may have led to Chance's disappearance. On 4th of July weekend that summer, which again was 2019, Chance, Bailey, and three-month-old Banks loaded into the car and spent the holiday weekend visiting Bailey's family in Garing, Nebraska, which is just minutes south of where she had grown up in Scottsbluff. On Saturday, July 6, 2019, 
Chance reportedly headed to a golf course with Bailey's parents and brother while she stayed back at her grandparents' house, where the three of them were staying for, uh, you know, that weekend. So Chance and Bailey's family spent the hot Nebraska day drinking and golfing. And discourse over Chance's case has been filled with speculation about this, but it's been alleged that Bailey's father, so Chance's father-in-law, made a few comments about Chance's new job, which he was starting that Monday, and how he would be making less than he had been making at the mine. Which is sad because, like, this isn't Chance's fault. So many people lost their jobs at the mine. 600 people were laid off. Yeah, and he's just doing his best to keep his family afloat in these hard times. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I feel like it's very insensitive to even mention anything about that, especially, you know, being the father-in-law of a person and saying those things. It's, you know, it's very cutting. Exactly. So as you can imagine, these comments apparently really struck a nerve with Chance, who prided himself on being the family's provider. And he said that he was just ready to leave immediately. After this conversation, he was like, I don't want to be here anymore. So he called his wife Bailey from the golf course, just fuming and asked that she come pick him up. So she and Banks loaded into the car and grabbed Chance, returning to Bailey's grandparents' house at around 7.30 p.m. And remember, since this is a summer night, it still would be light out at 7.30 p.m. So Chance then told her that he wanted to go back to their house, you know, their own home. He wanted to leave her family and just drive back to Nebraska because he didn't care to spend time around her family after what had just happened. Like, he was was just really over the situation. So Bailey remembers having trouble reasoning with Chance in this discussion because he just seemed really angry and he was also a bit drunk. So after this, Chance walked away from the house by himself as she was getting Banks out of his car seat. She last saw him walking the 700 block of O Street in Gehring. And basically, Bailey ran into the house. She put Banks into her grandmother's arms and then ran back outside. But by then... Chance was already gone. So initially, she thought maybe he was just taking a walk around the neighborhood to clear his head, which he had done multiple times, but this time just seemed different. So Bailey hopped into the car to comb the town of Garing to look for him. She called him numerous times as she was circling the town, but he failed to answer the phone for a while at least. Until 7.46 p.m., so about 16 minutes after they arrived to her grandparents' house, He finally picked up the phone and told Bailey only that he was heading south, and then he hung up. Now, strangely, security cameras later captured him clearly heading north, but it's not known whether he, you know, intentionally misled Bailey so that she wouldn't be able to find him, or if he was actually confused about the direction in which he was going. A few minutes later, at 7.50 p.m., Chance called his best friend Matt to come pick him up, but Matt was over four hours away in Gillette, Wyoming, so he couldn't be there quick enough. Now, according to Matt, Chance didn't seem inebriated, but he was very upset about what had happened, fair enough, and seemed to need space from Bailey and her family. Chance told Matt that he was planning on walking the 35 miles, or 56 kilometers, to Torrington, Wyoming. But why he had made that his final destination that evening is still unknown. It's possible that he may have had a friend or a family member there with whom he could spend the night, but his exact plans were not clear. So after he and Matt hung up, Matt, who was obviously concerned about Chance's welfare and the rapidly escalating situation, 
called Chance's mom, Dawn, who was in South Dakota at this time, and alerted her about what was going on. Matt also apparently called some mutual friends to see if anyone who was nearby could maybe make the trek to Torrington to go get him after he arrived. At 7.49 p.m., Chance was spotted by patrons at a Domino's Pizza walking north towards Scott's Bluff on 10th Street in Garing. And remember, that is just three minutes after he picked up Bailey's phone call. Right. So two minutes later, at 7.51 p.m., Chance was again captured on surveillance footage nearby. An apartment building just north of the Domino's caught him walking past, appearing to follow map directions on his phone and looking slightly disoriented. He walked one direction, looked at his phone, then walked the other way. Chance was then spotted on surveillance footage again near the intersection of Terry Boulevard and Stable Club Road in Terrytown, Nebraska, which is the community nestled in between Garing and Scottsbluff. So now he's in between these two towns. But while none of the sightings of Chance captured on security camera footage are confirmed to be him with 100% accuracy, his family's still basically certain that this is him. I mean, yeah, you can tell. Most security footage, you can you could just tell by a person's appearance and their physique, whether it's them or not, as well as his clothes. You know, they'd be, they'd be able to, to tell. After this sighting, his phone pinged near the Western Travel Terminal truck stop in Scotts Bluff, which is about a mile or 1.6 kilometers from where the intersection was where he was last pictured on surveillance cameras. Some have claimed that this points to the possibility of him having hitched a ride with someone and maybe gotten into trouble, which is definitely a possibility, but obviously because cell phone tower pings are not a precisely accurate determination of where, you know, someone is located, and because he was never actually picked up on security camera footage at the truck stop, there's no way to know whether or not he had gotten into a car with someone. But maybe he did, and that is a huge question in this case that we sadly cannot prove with these resources. Yeah, and I think when we get into theories, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So his mother, Dawn, was continuously texting and calling him, hoping to receive some sort of a response, but he never got back to her. So panicking, she began reaching out to other family members, just hoping to ease the tension. And Chance's aunt, Kate, had actually even texted him earlier just to let him know that they all knew that he was providing for his family the best that he could and that she loved him because he's probably walking around with a lot of self-doubt or just a lot of kind of disappointment that somebody doesn't believe in him or doesn't think that he's doing a good thing for his family when he is, when he's right. trying his best here. So his own family is saying, hey, we see you. We know that's what you're doing. We love you. Like, everything's going to be okay. But he did not text Aunt Kate back either. Then, at exactly 8 p.m., so just over 10 minutes after he had gotten off the phone with Bailey, she texted him again, asking him to call her. Over an hour later, at 9.08 p.m., he finally texted her back, and he said, I'm emoji. So I apostrophe M emoji. And the emoji is like a face with open eyes and a flat line for a mouth. Like it's a, it's an upset face. Like, yeah. It kind of looks like uh, maybe you're numb or you're feeling numb or upset. Yeah. You're just like flat face. So he said, I'm this kind of to indicate maybe I'm upset. And then he texted his aunt Kate, a jumble of letters that maybe seemed like an autocorrect accident. And this read, 
uh, I don't know if I should read read this or say the, yeah, maybe, the letters. Yeah, maybe we sh- maybe we should it's just like, say the letters. Ibdesserilli G, like I B D E S E R E A L L Y G, all one word. Like it's just like a jumble of letters. So Kate responded to this saying, "You are what?" And then, "Are you okay?" But Chance never got back to her. So what you know? What does that text indicate to us? Was he about to text her and then something happened and that was uh, some version of like, um, you know, a struggle text? Like, what is that about? Was this a pocket text? Uh, yeah, you does know, it mean absolutely nothing? It could abs- mean absolutely nothing, but this is the last text that anyone got from Chance. Well, and actually his mom, Dawn, maintains that these two texts were not even sent by her son. She believes that they were sent from someone else using his phone because she explained that he never used emojis, like he was not an emoji guy, and that whole exchange just seemed really out of character for him. Isn't that so interesting that now we can determine if somebody is an emoji person or not, and like that that kind of helps us with things like this like oh yeah that that's not how they would normally text yeah i mean if he doesn't use emojis to say i'm and then emoji and using the emoji to kind of signify a word instead of just saying i'm upset like why not just say that especially if he didn't use them so yeah and we've also seen this in a lot of other true crime cases where you know someone will get a text message from their loved one and it's really somebody else texting and they're like that is definitely not my loved one. Yeah. I, I know how they text. Everybody's got a rhythm. Everybody has a tone. You know, like my dad uses like a hundred exclamation points after text. Your dad uses a lot of periods. Like and zero know. exclamation points. Yeah, like everybody has, or your dad uses a lot of memojis, you know, like everybody has their their style. But but again, his mom, Dawn, did not believe that this was his style, and she just thought that it must have been somebody else. And then, soon after those texts were sent, his phone was either turned off or the battery died, which makes that whole situation even weirder, that shortly after sending these two really bizarre texts, his phone just went dead. Now, shortly before it did, it pinged off a cell tower near the Riverview Golf Course on County Road 19 in Scottsbluff, just west of downtown. So at this point, he had already walked over five miles. And this is something that's important to discuss because walking over five miles in about like roughly an hour and a half time span is a, is a lot of miles, you know? It is. The average person can walk two and a half miles per hour. So if he's walking over five miles in about an hour and a half or less... That's a that's a lot of walking to do. Maybe he was walking fast, but just from what we know of the security footage that he seemed kind of disoriented. He was walking this direction, looking at his phone. Then he had to turn around because it seemed he was going the wrong way. This didn't seem like a super determined, I'm walking high speed to a destination. It's like, oh, wait, I'm going the wrong way now. I'm walking casually. You know what I mean? Unless he kind of figured it out and then was just kind of like on a mission, like, because, you know, when, when you're upset or you're, you're pissed off, uh, walking quickly is something that a lot of people do. Very true. So it is, it is technically possible to walk that distance. He just would have needed to have been going quite fast. But then you also wonder, well, was he picked up? So while this was all happening, 
the weather was turning very sour. Like the evening brought a thunderstorm, a downpour of rain, and a dip in temperature, which obviously has to come into play here during this walk. So Bailey's grandfather also headed out to look for him that evening while Bailey hoped that he had maybe ducked inside somewhere to take refuge from the storm. Along the route that he seemed to be walking is the North Platte River, which that night in the midst of this kind of significant thunderstorm would have been swollen with rain. So that night, basically nobody had heard from Chance. So early the next morning when Chance still had not returned back to Bailey's grandparents' house and no one had heard back from him in hours, Bailey reported Chance missing. Searches began promptly the next morning among the debris that the previous night's storm had left in its wake. In addition to Bailey's and Chance's friends and family, about 150 people from the community came out to help search for Chance that morning, and over 2,400 acres of land were searched in the initial efforts alone. Nearly 20 different law enforcement agencies participated in this search, utilizing cadaver dogs and search helicopters along the route that Chance was believed to have taken while he was walking. Cadaver dogs also searched 10 areas of bodies of water, and authorities even drained the canal that ran through Gehring. Over 380 square miles, or 611 square kilometers, were searched by air with Nebraska State Police helicopters. Within two days of Chance's disappearance, investigators were combing the banks of the North Platte River near where Chance's phone had last pinged. But there was no sign of him, the clothing that he had been wearing, or his phone. Investigators obtained the surveillance footage believed to capture Chance from the area businesses and housing developments, but were offered no indication as to where Chance had ended up. But it did show the direction which he had been traveling that day, which was not of much help. So on July 10th, 2019, so four days after Chance had last been seen, Bailey's and Chance's families pleaded with the public for information via a televised press conference. Don said through tears, quote, We just ask anybody to send any information. Somebody had to have seen something and knows something. This just isn't Chance. He's just not like this. He definitely would have gone for a walk for a few hours to clear his head, but he would have been home. He would have been with his son. He's a family man. He loved his whole family, and he wouldn't have done this to us. Behind her, Bailey tended to their son Banks and remained mostly quiet, except when asked what kind of person and husband Chance was, saying, quote, extremely responsible. He handled all of his responsibilities before he did anything else. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. 
Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have Dash Pass by DoorDash. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with Dash Pass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. 
We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. On July 11th, 2019, the family received a bit of false hope in the form of a potential sighting in Wyoming. So three hours away from Garing in Casper, Wyoming, multiple tip line callers reported seeing a man who looked like Chance attempting to hitchhike along I-25. However, by the time police arrived to the area, this man was gone. But then the following day, Another tip came in from Casper, this time from a Walmart. The caller believed that she had seen Chance in an East Casper Walmart store. So a Garing police officer working Chance's case went out to investigate this himself. Even after reviewing six hours worth of surveillance footage, the officer was still unable to confirm whether or not the man inside the store was Chance. A few days later, with tips really dwindling and the family just kind of starting to lose hope, Don posted this on Facebook, quote, So here we are, coming up on two weeks, Chance, and we hurt more now than before. Not sure if you keep running, busy-like, or lay down, but we want you home. We're sorry if we push too hard or not enough. We all love you so much, so please send us a sign. We're here to help you and support you. I have to believe you're out there lost because anything else is not acceptable. Both Bailey and Don continued to maintain that he never would have left on his own accord and feared that he had been met with foul play. But many signs seemed to point to the weather possibly having something to do with it because, as we know, he was already walking near the path of the river, so maybe Chance had been overtaken by the water or something or maybe caught in the storm and he wasn't able to get himself out, but Chance's family really rejects the theory that it was an accident caused by the thunderstorm that evening. And Matt, who again is his best friend, was asked in an interview about the possibility of that, and he said, quote, I'd say Chance was born and raised for that kind of weather. So this this rain was not new to him. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a country boy. Uh, you know he knows he knows like how to get around rural land. Exactly. So obviously it's not to say that it couldn't have happened that the weather did not play a part here, but his family just doesn't think that it went in that direction. Well, you know we do have to think about the possibility. Uh, of him falling into the the Platte River because he had he had been drinking that day. I mean that's that's something that we do know, 
And, it, you know, that is a possibility in any uh, sort of scenario like that. Well, and there was a local who argued that the storm may have been worse than Chance's family thought that night. And this is what they said about it. Quote, we couldn't even see the road because the winds were so bad. It took us nearly two and a half hours to get home, which was 27 minutes away. The storm was so bad that we barely missed hitting a roof that was sitting on the road. And the guy in front of us went into the ditch because of the roof. Okay, so that that's a different story. So it sounds like it was... Extremely treacherous. A pretty bad storm here. Right. So, but then that made his family wonder, well... So maybe the weather had something to do with it in a different way. Maybe to get out of the storm, he hitched a ride from somebody or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That it wasn't a direct... um, Cause. Direct cause, yeah. Right. But maybe because of it in a different way. But of course, this is all just speculation. Right. And as it always seems to in small towns, the rumor mill just really churned here. Chance's family and friends were active on Facebook and avidly putting the word out while aiding in the search efforts. But people following the case closely began to notice that Bailey was suspiciously missing from the conversation. Now, while it's important to remember that Bailey was only 20 years old at this time and she had a three-month-old baby to worry about, many thought that she seemed kind of cold and unfazed in interviews, including the press conference that she had done with Dawn and the other members of Chance's family on July 10th. According to Don, she had attempted to have a death certificate issued within days of his disappearance, which many found very suspicious. But Don came to her defense, claiming that Bailey was simply worried about caring for herself and her child. Brian Eads, who's an investigator with the Garing Police, remarked, quote, She had a son to provide for. She was not working at the time. Chance was the sole breadwinner for the house. And in discussing it with Chance's mom, they discussed that if she was to get on Chance's social security, they would need to have a death certificate in order to show that. She's always been very cooperative with me, very cordial. Interviewed her at length. My first interview with her was probably a couple hours long. So she's always been very cooperative. Bailey also hired a lawyer to help her with all the negative media attention that she was getting during this time, which she received even more criticism for. Brian Eads again explained, quote, Bailey hired an attorney to protect herself, but never invoked her Fifth Amendment rights or refused to answer questions. She's been interviewed multiple times at length and very willingly. There have been a lot of rumors and accusations on social media towards all members of the family, but I can only speak to the ones that involve law enforcement as I can't speak for them. But Bailey quickly disappeared from the limelight and stopped granting interviews altogether because of how she and her family were being portrayed online and really just being dragged into suspicion. She also reportedly called his new job and told them that he would not be reporting to work, but inquired about cashing out his 401k. So I understand why people are a little bit suspicious of this, especially people who are not directly involved in the case and don't really know how things work, but this would then lead us to believe that she was confident that he was deceased immediately after he disappeared. Sure, but we have to remember, you know, she's a 20-year-old girl, she is a new mother, she's got this this young baby, and she doesn't have a job, so she's basically looking for, she knows that it's been a few weeks since Chance has been missing, and 
she knows that she needs to somehow now provide for her child. Absolutely. But, you know, obviously getting a death certificate for somebody is such a serious measure because that is you saying they are definitely dead. Yeah, so sure. Because of that kind of confidence, I think that is why a lot of people speculated. I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm just saying that it's such a sure thing. And that's why I'm trying to kind of remain unbiased uh, towards this whole situation because I can see it from both sides, really. Well, as Bailey really pulled away from the search efforts and, you know, Chance's family did, even more speculation stirred. And a lot of people that were close to Chance claimed that he and Bailey's relationship had already been tested leading up to Chance's disappearance because, allegedly, Bailey had accused him of cheating on her and would sometimes call his mom Dawn to vent and complain about him. And Dawn even apparently suggested that they go to couples counseling, but the two had yet to go. So there were some existing problems in their relationship. In one of the last interviews that Bailey granted, she joked that if she really wanted Chance to come back, she could sell his derby cars, saying, quote, that should get him hauling home. But the conversation got heavier when she continued saying, quote, honestly, I think he's either severely injured or dead. He would never leave his son. He loved being a dad. So neither Bailey nor anyone in her family has ever been named a suspect or even a person of interest in the case of Chance's disappearance, and it just remains a tragic mystery. But sadly, the rumors and the weight of the circumstances became insurmountable for these two families, which really caused a major rift that has not healed. Dawn says that she has not seen her grandson since 2019 and that her family no longer has any contact with Bailey or her family and that Bailey just really keeps a low profile now. But the speculation continued regardless of Bailey's public involvement in the case. One former senator was so convinced of Bailey's involvement that she visited Bailey and Banks at their home completely unannounced. Lynn DeSanto, sometimes also known as Lindy DeSanto or Lindy Meyer, is a former South Dakota state senator and former South Dakota House of Representatives member. She's mostly withdrawn from her political career and now lives in Montana selling real estate. But in her spare time, she pursues justice in unsolved cases, and she took a particular interest in Chance's disappearance. Now, according to Lynn, she had seen the press conference and watched as Dawn tearfully pleaded with the public for answers. A mother to three sons just like Dawn, Lynn vowed to help Dawn seek answers. Lynn said in an interview later, quote, People really care about this case because he's a small town boy who is well loved and well regarded by everyone, and people just can't believe that he's disappeared. She publicizes her journey seeking answers on her YouTube channel, which is called Lynn Seeks whose description reads, quote, Lynn Seeks is a channel that looks at situations with mysterious circumstances, focusing on missing people and crimes that haven't received justice. What's the truth? Seeking hope, truth, freedom, love, justice, and meaning. Lynn was so enthralled with Chance's case, in fact, that on February 9th, 2020, she took an unannounced trip to Bailey's home to speak with her, just kind of hoping to seek resolution for Chance. And in her video describing the trip, Lynn explained, quote, I ended up taking a trip to Nebraska. The reason I didn't make a deal that I was going down there is because I like there to be a little bit of element of sort of surprise. 
I hate to say it, but even for law enforcement, I don't want them to prep that I'm coming. I'd rather just show up and say, hello, how's it going? So that's what I did. I just think you get more of an authentic response from people when you just sort of show up and you say, I have some questions. And they don't have a lot of time to say, okay, let's figure out what we're going to say or something like that. So that's why I did it the way I did it. But obviously, Bailey was so rattled and disturbed by this very unsolicited visit that she called the police. And I, I mean, to me, this is so wrong. Like, Bailey has never been uh, appointed a suspect or a person of interest. To us, she is a grieving widow. And you show up on her doorstep and try to interview her to get justice for somebody that you don't even know, but that she knew very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know how I feel about this because I can understand what Lynn is saying, but that's just definitely the wrong way to go about it. Well, that's the problem is people's speculation of Bailey's involvement is all just, it's random. It's There's no actual evidence that Bailey or somebody else in the family was involved. So without some more... I don't know. Sometimes there isn't physical evidence, but there's really good circumstantial evidence, you know, and you're like, okay, we don't have any physical evidence, but they totally did it. Like, we don't have that here. Yeah, there's nothing to suggest that Bailey was involved. I mean, we have security camera footage of him walking in certain areas of different towns. By himself. By himself. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to personally look into this yourself and you think that somebody in the family might be involved and you want to kind of dig into that on your own, but to show up at this woman's doorstep unannounced and just demand answers it's like hold on here yeah i think if there was any evidence to point or suggest that they were involved it would make a little bit more sense but that, that's just not the case here exactly so bailey obviously called the police and then in may of 2020 a judge placed a protective order against lynn on behalf of bailey and banks after stating quote it appears there exists a clear and present danger of future stalking or of serious adverse consequences. Like, that's pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, if a judge is saying it, then yeah, it's pretty serious. Yeah. So a member of Bailey's extended family named Cody, who is, um, well, his brother is married to Bailey's sister, met with Lynn via YouTube Live to kind of dispel rumors and condemn the language being used to speak about Bailey and her family in regards to Chance's disappearance. So Cody explained that Bailey and everyone else in her family would be much more willing to speak with news outlets if they weren't being subjected to such a public smear campaign on the internet. So yeah, obviously there is a ton of people talking about this on the internet, on the news, um, but there's also other people weighing in like uh, psychics and tarot card readers. And one in particular weighed in saying, quote, Engelbert is likely no longer alive and is buried in a field, killed by someone who held a grudge, is now paranoid about the situation and one day will snap. Obviously not a ton of weight to that. Just wanted to read you what was out there. Yeah, and in cases like this that are unsolved, that where there's such weird circumstances of somebody walking away and they're walking in a storm and, you know, and there's all this weird, these weird theories, it's like there's going to be this huge rumor mill and it just makes it so much harder for investigators to do their job. Like, if there is some sort of evidence leading in one direction, then I think it's okay to maybe speculate on that evidence, but... Come on, there's just, we, we just have nothing here. Exactly. And 
Chance's family also weighed in on the rumors and the misinformation that was floating around um, on their Facebook page. And they said, quote, people are welcome to ask questions here. We do ask you not to harass, bully, speculate, or gossip here. We want this to be a page in which information is being shared and people are coming together to bring Chance home. Yeah, like, keep it respectful. Stop hurting this poor family that is hurting enough. But I mean, I mean, even after all of this, Bailey's family again caught flack when they apparently paved their driveway in the week following Chance's disappearance prompting some to speculate that they were concealing Chance's body. Which, you know, we've talked about on the show, home remodels and such after somebody goes missing, it seems like convenient timing. But something that we do know is that Chance's phone pinged away from the house. Um, He was apparently caught on surveillance footage as well. He did not only talk to Bailey on the phone, but he spoke with his friend Matt, telling him that he was walking, that he had left. So... The only way that the family could have been involved is if they themselves found Chase, picked him up, and something happened. But there's just no evidence pointing to anything. Yeah, and actually Chance's family did address this on Chance's Facebook group, explaining that this possibility had been investigated to their satisfaction. So yeah, it was looked into, and it didn't seem like that was the case. Right. So after a year had passed since Chance had last been seen or heard from, his family held a prayer vigil and a walk for him, marching past some of the landmarks that he would have passed on his route, including the Domino's Pizza. The Engelberts really hoped that this would lead to renewed interest in the case and potentially bring in some new information, but unfortunately, it did not. Then, on October 18th, 2021, human remains were found in Scotts Bluff County, just north of North Platte River, which is near where Chance had been walking. The remains were confirmed to be a human arm bone, and there was also a piece of cloth found nearby, but it was later confirmed that the remains did not belong to Chance. Sadly, there have been no clues leading to Chance's whereabouts at all. It really is like he just vanished. An update on the family's Facebook read, quote, Chance is still missing. His family is devastated. Chance may have walked off on his own accord to clear his head, but few of us believe that Chance has stayed gone of his own free will. Chance is reliable and responsible. Chance is loyal, dedicated, and hardworking. Chance loves his family, especially his son. He would not have willingly left his son. According to Don, the Garing police have made their best effort, but they are, quote, overworked and underpaid. The family has launched a change.org petition, just hoping to bring in the FBI to assist with the search. So we will link that in the description of this episode and on our socials. Chance's grandma is also now offering a $220,000 reward for information that leads the Engelberts to Chance's whereabouts. This fall of 2023, the Engelberts are holding a memorial demolition derby in Chance's hometown with the proceeds going to charity. Chance Engelbert is 5 feet 11 inches tall and weighs about 195 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. He has a scar on his hip. He was last seen wearing a short-sleeved button-down Wrangler brand shirt, Wrangler brand blue jeans, and a white and black baseball cap. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Chance Engelbert, please call the Garing, Nebraska Police Department at 
5088. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Friday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. You know, this case is really difficult because it's just one of those frustrating cases where there's really no signs or not a lot of signs or any evidence to indicate what really happened. So it feels difficult to speculate without feeling like everything that you're thinking is completely random because it is. I mean, it is just so strange because you do have text messages, you do have phone calls, you do have security camera footage, but there's nothing in any of those that leads you to where he may have gone. Yeah, I want to say just based on other stories and cases that we've covered over our whole catalog, it just makes me think that because of the weather or... um, because we know that he was trying to get out of this area that he did hitch a ride from somebody and something happened that way. But again, like I'm just saying that based on nothing, nobody saw him getting into a car. Nobody saw him in a car. Like I just made that up. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's hard because you can think about it from so many different angles. The fact that he was, he was walking 30 miles, 30 miles to get to this other town And he was also walking near a river and it was during a storm. It's just, I mean, your brain could turn for days thinking about possibilities and scenarios. Right. But then we also know that his phone last pinged only about five miles away from where he was last seen about an hour and a half after he was last seen on the footage. So it's like, uh, it's, it really is so confusing. Did he ever make it to his destination or did something happen to him in Scott's Bluff? Like we just don't know. So please Make sure that you share this episode and thank you guys so much for tuning in. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.